Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today, we've got a really great show for you talking about strong and healthy shoulders. What makes strong and healthy shoulders? Well, we've gone through a week of YouTube videos revealing five key lessons that are gonna be breakthrough moments for you, and we're gonna reveal them in this show today. Like Vasquez said in Aliens, let's rock. If you're new to the tribe, we got Rich behind the mix. Rad is across the table, and my name is Yanni Bormeister. Together, we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our epic gym and at-home programs. Uh, the revolutionary structural balance blueprint which will enable you to create your ideal program and optimize your performance as a valued listener you can always use the link in the description to get your first month absolutely free it's a no-brainer get in there tribe we're also very very excited to announce today that an epic 72 hour flash sale has just begun for all of our rehab programs knee rehab back rehab shoulder rehab forearm and elbow rehab you do not want to miss this one these programs are a fantastic addition to your toolkit if you take your training seriously or if you're a practitioner physiotherapist or physical therapist get in there and uh, you've got 72 hours we'll link in the description also before we get started warm welcome if you are on the ums movement mastermind watching the replay or have jumped over live onto our youtube channel and a big shout out to everyone listening on the podcast uh, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the channel, to the podcast, and uh, remember, it's free to join the UMS Movement Mastermind. Anyone can jump over to Facebook, look for the group, and join us. How are you, Rad? Yeah, I'm good. Really good. Uh, end of deload week for us here, or for me, in the um, at-home workouts. So feeling pretty good, ready for phase six of the program, launching on Monday next week. If you haven't checked them out, go and have a look at some of the live streams from this week and have a look at our one hour workouts. Um, it's pretty good. And um, yeah, just enjoying, uh, you know, the the uh, content strategy that we've got going now. We've, we've definitely got more organization than we've had for a while, so it's good. Um, yeah, and this is a good topic. This is something that's near and dear to my heart uh, because I've actually successfully recovered from two slap tears, one in each shoulder in the past two years. I suffered a slap tear in my right shoulder and um, torn supraspinatus it was first on the right side rehabilitated that one and then had a slap tear in the left shoulder and a torn infraspinatus and i rehabilitated both of them without surgery so uh, a result of that was creating our um, shoulder rehab program uh, that was that was a result you know when i when i successfully rehabilitated my shoulder you said to me let's turn that into a program you know now that we've got a process that works and uh, it's, it's been used by hundreds of people around the world now to s successfully do the same thing. Uh, shameless plug, we're actually putting that program and all our other rehab programs on sale this weekend as a flash sale. So if you want to see how we did it, you can grab any of, those, any of our rehab programs that are at a really great price for this weekend only. I'm sure there's going to be a link in the description of this video and this podcast. But yeah, anyway, um, yeah, so it is something that, uh, you know, I was... When I had those injuries, I am not the kind of person that would ever settle for anything but the best outcome possible. And 
worked with a couple of great physios. Um, currently working with the guys from ADPT dot physio uh, who run their clinic um, out of our gym and who also do online consultations and um, Nilesh says to me uh, you know he laughs at me uh, he laughs sometimes when he says you know what we're doing right now is getting that last like you know eight percent you know you've you've made a recovery like most people would never make and when I talk to the guys at my work he, he works at um for the GWS Giants which is an AFL team in Sydney it's it's basically um, you know, some of the best athletes in the country in a, in a sport in Australia called the Australian Football League. And uh, when he tells them what he's doing with me and what I can currently do, they apparently a lot of the physios laugh at him and say, why would you even bother? Like he can already do all this stuff, you know, just get him out there playing again. Um, but he makes these jokes saying, you know, for you, it's different. You want to get that, that last 10% that matters to you. And it absolutely does. So when we talk about this stuff, we're talking from experience. I said all of that to pre-frame, you know, why you should listen to us because we have, Yanni's rehabilitated some shoulder injuries himself. Um, I'm sure he'll tell you about them in just a sec. Um, and we've, we've both done it without, without surgery. Um, so we do have a, a really good understanding of what makes strong and healthy shoulders. We've got some skin in the game, as uh, Rad would say, usually. Before we go on, Tribe, I want to uh, get all the people watching live to uh, introduce themselves in the comments. Let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from. Yeah, say uh, good day. And if you are, like if you are, I can see we've got Gunnar Nielsen there, uh, a, a beloved Tribe member from Unity Gym. Gunnar just took out the hey, Roy. Uh, the um, merch comp, the first mm -hmm. uh, drawer of our uh, daily grind at home workouts uh, photo competition. He's going to be getting a wicked swag pack. Uh, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. But, yeah, let us know who you are, where you're tuning in from, and uh, smash that like button. Uh, send us some love. It helps us uh, get this uh, discussion out to more people. Yeah, like Brad said, go on, you were about to say something? Well, I was just going to answer Gunnar's question because it's a really good question. Gunnar has said, hi, Rad, what caused you to have your shoulder injuries? Prevention is the key. And that's absolutely right, Gunnar. And um, I'll try to make a long story short. What happened was I didn't. I had an injury when I was 21. I was working as a performer at Fox Studios and I was hired for my ability with martial arts and basic acrobatics, but that's what I got hired for. And I worked in a troupe of, of 120 performers. Some of us were hired because we were actors. Some were hired because they were dancers. Some were hired for martial artists, martial arts and acrobatics. They kind of got a melting pot of talent. And we had to do street theater. Uh, and this dancing show that we, that we had to do. Um, and, you know, I used to work for 10 hours a day and we used to put together these shows and, and do a lot of things. And one day I was working on this performance that we were doing, I was rehearsing and I was doing these one-armed handstand movements. It's not an actual one-armed handstand, it's like a capoeira move where you go up on one hand and you do this kick and then come down. And I'll never forget it. Uh, I did the one last one, like we were about to break to go for lunch or whatever. And I said, I'll do one more. And I was really fatigued. And as I went up, my shoulder just collapsed on itself and I felt this sharp pain. But I was very young. And this is, this is the point that's relevant to you, Gunnar. What caused me to have shoulder injuries? This is it. I was young. I didn't want to be the person at work that was the injured guy. I didn't want to be saying, oh, I just hurt myself. I can't do anything. I didn't, I just didn't want to go down that road. And so I just shut up and nutted up and I just got along with it. And I basically, for the next 10 years, I remember right through my twenties, like I basically did what everybody does that the guys from ADPT physio say is wrong, which is I rested it. 
I avoided things that caused pain until I couldn't really feel pain anymore. But then I remember right through my 20s doing martial arts, I could never punch hard with my left arm and often it would give me problems. And then when I got out of the army and I was 34 and I started doing weightlifting with Yanni, it was when I started doing Olympic weightlifting and I started throwing some pretty heavy weights above my head that I started to really feel problems in my left shoulder. And again, I just thought, oh, I've just got a dodgy left shoulder and I didn't do anything about it. So no rehab, nothing. The funny thing that happened is that as I started doing calisthenics, the first slap tear that I got was on my right shoulder, which was my, my uninjured shoulder. And now that I've gone through this process of rehabilitating both of them and working closely with Phil and Nilesh, I realized that what I was doing is that because the left side was so weak, when I was doing calisthenics movements like the planche, it was a tuck planche that I did my first slap tear on. Uh, and that was only two years ago, two and, uh, yeah, about two and a half years ago. Um, I was doing a t working on a tuck planche. And what I was basically doing was, as I'd go to failure, the left side just couldn't hold any weight. And so I was just doing all of the movement on my right side. And so that right side um, gave way. And that's how I did the first slap tear. So then I rehabilitated that side. And then I started to, be, to become aware that I needed to, you know, really use my left side more. And I needed to be more, you know, bilateral focused rather than just, you know, relying on my good side. And then I did a slap tear on my left shoulder. Now, that slap tear on the left shoulder probably happened 22 years ago and I just re-aggravated it. That's probably what it was. Uh, and I probably did a really bad slap tear and, and tore a bunch of the rotator cuff muscles 22 years ago, but never did any rehab for it. So what happened was um, I did the, the rehab that I did in the last 12 or 14 months was m related to the side that was injured originally. And so only now for the first time in 22 years, am I getting to a stage where I feel like I can actually use my shoulders and my upper body properly? So to finish off your question, prevention is key. What should you do to avoid this? Identify weak links and turn them into strengths and do not rest injuries. That is not the solution. What you need to do is an injury is an insight into something that's going on in your body and rest is not best unless it's a broken bone. It, what you need to do is the right exercises to strengthen it and turn the weakness into a strength. Yeah, it's really important that you take that on board. And we're going to go through, because uh, um, you're absolutely right, prevention is key. Um, and we're going to go through what you can do to prevent, but also what you can do to uh, to overcome it if you've already got it, you know. And this this uh, ties very much into what we're... What the, the content we produced this week, you guys would have seen if you're, if you're um, subscribers to the channel, you would have seen the five tutorials that went live this week. We broke it down into five steps. This is how to level up the health of your shoulders, flexibility and strength. And um, it's really, really important that you understand all five of these steps because they all play a major role. They are all very, very important. And um, the shoulder is that one joint in the body. It's the most versatile joint, but it's also the, its versatility creates vulnerability if you're not training it properly. Uh, the shoulder is capable of d extreme feats of flexibility and mobility uh, when you see it at the most extreme level, but it's also um, capable of developing insane amounts of uh, power and force if trained properly, you know. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do pressed handstands and, and, and all that sort of stuff and uh, or back handsprings, flips, mm -hmm. things like that, you know. So getting it right is very, very important. And um, 
and we want to make sure. And we, Rad and I have both come, and, and Richard as well, have come from both ends of the spectrum. I had a really bad um, uh, left shoulder injury, uh, a dislocation that tore the whole front section of the cartilage labrum away from the bone, which is a very, very important part of the shoulder. Uh, and I've also done quite severe damage to my right shoulder. I've actually done five quite major injuries, and most of them come, as Gunnar sort of said here as well in the comments, they, they generally come years ago before you knew how to train properly, right? And yeah. done, if we, it, it's, it's hindsight's a hell of a thing. If you knew what you know today and had applied that growing up as a 20-something-year-old or even a teen, you know, both Rad and I have backgrounds in martial arts and boxing. And, uh, yeah, I would have loved to. Uh, I would have loved to not allow my posture to become compromised from boxing and, uh, and keep structurally balanced. And that's the first step. The first step is how you train in the gym for strength. It comes down to creating workouts that are completely balanced. Most people know how to strengthen the shoulder girdle with the big movements like the bench press, the overhead press, chin-up variations and rowing variations. Think horizontal push-pull patterns and vertical push-pull patterns. But the first key point that we want to drive home today is that it's not just about doing those movements, it's about doing them in balance. And what we mean by that is every, for every horizontal push, there should be a horizontal pull. Yep. And for every vertical push, there should be a vertical pull. And for every vertical plane movement, there should be a horizontal plane movement or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And not many people get that right when they're programming. It, not even coaches get it right. Yep. The amount of coaches that I see still today who offset the bench press with a vertical pull. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, don't, they don't offset the bench press with a horizontal pull. They offset it with a chin up you know, mm -hmm. um, and it just doesn't create really strong and really um, uh, bulletproof shoulders. And, th and that's the very first step. The very first step is to, yes, we know we need to build strength. Rad now knows that. He probably wouldn't have destroyed his shoulder originally doing acrobatics if he had a bit more strength, a bit more mass there. I, I certainly wouldn't have. I was doing a backflip off, off a wall and my feet hit the floor and I ended up not rotating and had to turn it into like a handspring, but with way too much force onto my left shoulder that um, partially dislocated my left shoulder, you know, and uh, it's one of those things that you, you, if you had a lot more mass, there's a good chance that it wouldn't have happened in the first place. So Absolutely. Um, I mean, strength is king. And the balance between strength and flexibility is really king. One without the other leads to issues. They both really do. So it's not just the horizontal and vertical push-pull balance. It's also the going through the full range of motion with end range intention with intentional end ranges that creates these healthy shoulders and that's another place that people go wrong where you see you see people okay you understand the horizontal and vertical push pull but you're doing reduced range because what that does is if the only reason why anybody does that is is either it feeds the ego or it avoids the areas of pain compromise. and discomfort that they're yeah. already uh, discomfort and both of those are a problem so Generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, you don't need, to, you shouldn't be avoiding the areas of discomfort. You should be working through them with a reduced load, with a with a with a load that you can handle. Uh, and that's been that's been a really big breakthrough um, for me. You know, working with the guys from ADPT Physio and getting through this stuff. Um, 
So this brings us to our second key um, uh, point for today, which is for bulletproof shoulders, you have to develop end range strength. Yeah, absolutely. And the most common examples, and Rad can sort of take you through this a little bit. If you haven't watched the tutorials, I urge you guys to go and do that. Maybe Richie can link them in the description or the, uh, or the comments. Uh, I've created a playlist and that's been sent out to the Inner Circle email list today with all five of the tutorials in it. But the most obvious end range strength we want to develop is internal rotation and external rotation. Why don't you uh, elaborate, Rad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, internal and external rotation. So when you look at, at me doing this here, this is external rotation and this is internal rotation of the shoulder. And you can do it in different planes. You can do it down here and you can do it up here. And in all honesty, I've got quite poor internal and external rotation. There are people out there that have got a hell of a lot better than me. But mine do the job, they're functional, and because they are something that I do work, it's not something that I avoid. They're also, they may not be as good as what some people are, but they're also a hell of a lot better than what other people have got. So the, the idea being that if you don't challenge yourself to develop strength in that internal and external end range, meaning not just by doing this pattern, but by intentionally going to full end range of internal rotation and creating strength there and going to full end range of external rotating rotation and creating strength there like trying to push that range with some creative tools then your shoulders they're just not going to be as healthy as they would if you weren't doing that so it's not to say that you're not going to be able to get through life okay but your shoulders are going to be a hell of a lot better if you do that and if you want to see how we do it just a couple of examples yeah, check out that video. Go to, I think, probably the easiest thing to do. Darlene, um, you see you saying love the tutorials. Uh, look, the, the tutorials that we released this week you, are really a, a must if you're interested in leveling up shoulder health. Um, and they're really simple, easy, short. They range between, I think, about four minutes and eight minutes or nine minutes uh, each video. Mm -hmm. uh, there's five there. I've created a playlist. So if on our channel, you'll see the playlist. It's called 2021 Shoulder uh, Health. Uh, yeah, yeah, 2021 shoulder health. But I think the easiest thing to do, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to do this, is actually just share that playlist. You can, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. if you, um, Richie, see if you can work out how to share that uh, 2021 shoulder playlist. Um, Any, anyway, keep, keep going on. Um, uh, well, look, I just want to jump in on some of the, some of the comments so that we're, we're responding to them at the relevant time. Um, the Darlene's saying hello. Hi, Darlene. Thanks for joining us on the show. Mark B is saying uh, Mike in Nepal. Thanks for joining us. Um, and Kate Jenkins, I'm pretty sure this is Craig Jenkins here because Kate Jenkins is saying excited about this one. My shoulders and my wife's Kate's. Uh, and I know we've got somebody named Craig Jenkins in our, in our tribe. He's saying, uh, have, have had issues for sure. And if the shoulders isn't working well, then the forearm and elbow wanna, issues start to ramp up too. Talk about yeah, that. I'm going to jump on that real quick <laughs> myself. That's really insightful that you've said that. Because when I d the first thing that I experienced with figuring out that I had this issue in my shoulder, because I had to reflect back 22 years, was about five years ago when I started calisthenics. And the first thing that happened to me... The series of problems that happened in my body, the first one was that I had right wrist problems that happened from doing handstands. And it got to a point after six months, this is when I first started handstands, I'm an adult, I've never done them as a child before. My experience is in martial arts, and all of a sudden, okay, let's do some calisthenics, I'm gonna learn how to do handstands. And I learned from people that knew how to do them. 
And then six months into it, the, the pain in my wrist was so bad that I couldn't do a handstand anymore. So I went to a friend of ours who's a phenomenal physiotherapist, um, Leroy Lobo, and he looked at me and the first thing he said was, he got me to do a handstand and he goes, man, you're really putting all the weight onto your right side. And he said, I think that what's really going on is you just need to shift the weight onto your left side because you're basically just overloading your right hand. And then he did a couple of little treatments on my right arm. Um, but by doing that, I immediately started to experience reduced aches and pains. So, it w and it goes back to the fact that my left shoulder was injured. I couldn't load that up properly, so I put all the weight in the right shoulder. And guess what? I start experiencing pain in the wrist. Yeah, that's right. It, look, it, it's the exact same thing happened to me. And this is something that I want to point out. And it's the, the benefit of working with a really good physical or physiotherapist is that they will look at the cause and not the symptom. Mm. And they'll go, okay, so what's going on? What's causing that? The same thing happened to me. I was protecting an, an old injury and I was overloading other areas of my body. And, mm. you, and you look at that going, man, there's a weakness here. What's going on here? But then when you have someone who knows what they're talking about, have a look at you doing the movements, they go, man, you're just putting, putting too much load through that part. What are you protecting on the other side, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, um, Felicia Barnwell said here, my husband has jujitsu shoulders. Uh, look, any, any practice, any movement practice that hasn't got an emphasis on efficiency and balance is gonna create in, um, um, imbalances in the body, you know? The same thing happened to me with boxing. There's a lot of pushing movement patterns with boxing, not a lot of pulling movement patterns, not a lot that corrects posture, you know? And, and uh, all of these practices have their um, pros and cons, you know? Uh, and, and unless the practice is specifically designed to balance, uh, um, you know, structurally balance the body, then you have to do something, a, a, a form of training that, um, that does so. And that's why we created the Unified Movement System. We all had our sports. We all had our means to demonstrate our physical capability. But we didn't have a really good training platform that would create the, 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 the foundation that we could use to deploy into that uh, sport or physical activity or hobby that we had. Martial arts, boxing, football, rugby, soccer, gymnastics, calisthenics, CrossFit, whatever it is, you know. And that's one of the things, one of our philosophies here that we separate training and competition. Uh, we like to have a way to demonstrate um, our, our strength, our skill uh, in competition, but we also take our training very, very seriously and the two are completely different. Uh, we got a bunch of people live. Smash that like button if you haven't already. Yeah, we've got um, some great comments. We'll continue answering your um uh, your comments later in the show, Tribe. We're gonna we're gonna stay on on topic and we'll keep up. Uh, but I have found the playlist um, for the five videos, and I've just shared it in the comments. And then if you're watching the replay later, uh, we'll make sure that it goes in the description of the video. So um, what's the, the our next? The next step is the uh, really. <laughs> I, I will, this is a big call, and I know this is a big call. But these two movements make up the basis and foundation of our shoulder rehab program. And the reason why is because Rad and I both, when we implemented this stuff, we had two entirely different injuries uh, that were uh, treated exactly the same way by one of the best physios in the country. Rad alluded to him uh, just um, before, Leroy. And, you know, I hurt my shoulder in about 2006, the first time where I did my slap tear, and I saw three surgeons who said I needed a reconstruct reconstructive surgery. The fourth surgeon said, no, I want to see what we can do with some rehab. And that's when I went off to see Leroy, and I ended up not needing surgery. And it was a severe injury. And yes, the labrum was never reattached to my bone, but what I learned to do was to create enough muscle mass and support that I didn't need it anymore. And, uh, and that's far better than going 
going under the knife because when you go under the knife, it's not guaranteed to fix the problem, but it is guaranteed to cause more damage by cutting through muscle tissue and potentially, you know, disrupting the nerves and all that sort of thing. So you want to avoid going under the knife at all costs and only do it as a last resort. And what what we were really quite um, shocked is that these two movements, these two movement drills, and there are a few different variations that you can do, um, had such a profound effect on such different injuries and such different, um, you know, what we thought would be needing different rehab protocols. And that was that, and this created a real big insight after, um, after sitting down with physios and talking to them about it, is that you need to train the shoulder in two different ways for rehab. One is you need to train the scapulature musculature. So you need to train the muscles that help set and move the shoulder blades around because the shoulder is a very, very versatile joint. We spoke about that earlier, but there's nothing really creating rigidity in the shoulder. What creates rigidity and stability in the shoulder is your ability to set your scapula in the right position. And so the, the muscles that we're talking about here are the traps and the um, uh, rhomboids, primarily the, uh, the uh, levator scapula, the um, serratus anterior, the muscles that really set the scapula down. And there's a couple of really great drills and we demonstrated them in the tutorial where we want you to externally rotate and set the scapula in place and then slowly start to load those movements up. So we're drilling that because with that movement, it's really more about retraining the brain, strengthening the, the neural pathways. And that carries over to all big power movements like bench pressing, like overhead pressing, like hand balancing, planche movements, things like that. You have to be able to create rigidity in your shoulder girdle. And the second is we need to create the, uh, we, we need to train the shoulder stabilizers, uh, referring to the rotator cuff muscle and those scapular stabilizers. Uh, stabilizers in, in anti-stabilization movements, the way that they're used in the real world. You know, a lot of strength and conditioning coaches um, have created a staple of training internal and external rotation, a lot of physiotherapists as well, and they're really important movements to strengthen. But you have to add anti-stability exercises as well. And we start that off with a very simple medicine ball wall drill, wall pattern, to start really switching those muscles on and create and training those um, uh, uh, stabilizers. And then we can progress it to anti-stability movements with inverted kettlebells. There's even wobble bars and, and all sorts of different things that you can do to create instability and have to fight that instability, you know. And, and uh, just understanding those two principles, and if you break it down into two movement drills, anti-stability movements and scapular, um, uh, what would you call it? Uh, stabilization. Stabilization. Uh, you will overcome pretty much all and it's a big call, but you will overcome almost all shoulder injuries. Yeah, it's that true. Is, if, you, if you've got a compromised shoulder right now, if you're experiencing shoulder pain, those are the two drills that we would recommend you start doing. Yeah, I mean, a breakthrough for me was when I was told by the physios that we've worked with and that we've spoken about on this show. Um, what they told me was, they said, what happens when you get a shoulder injury like a slap tear or, or, or torn rotator cuff is that the shoulder goes into lockdown and it basically as a um as a as a response to protect itself it freezes up and it reduces the, your range of motion by uh, you know you experience pain if you try and push beyond a certain range of motion and that serves its purpose because it generally you know got the tear from a position that was outside of this resting position here so it's trying to protect itself from going, getting worse. And so again, it serves a purpose. 
And then what happens is over the, uh, the space of literally weeks, the muscles that normally work together to prevent the glide in the humerus, the joint glide. So, you know, the, the humerus is meant to move like this, but it's not meant to move like this in the joint. So that we're talking about the bone here, the upper arm. Um, and also the muscles that stabilize the scapula and keep it where it's meant to be, which works synergistically with the glenohumeral muscles, the rotator cuff, they forget how to do their job. And then you come out of this point where you've experienced pain and you start being able to move your shoulder again. But those, this is the words of the, our physios. The exact terminology they used was, they said they forget how to do their job and they can't stabilize the shoulder anymore. And the first thing that you have to do in the early phases of rehab is reteach those muscles how to do their job. And that doesn't have to do with increasing strength. It doesn't have to do with hypertrophying them. It has to do with recreating the neuromuscular connection, with teaching the brain how to engage those muscles and make them do what they're meant to do again. And that's what Yanni's talking about here. The right firing patterns, the right sequencing, all of that sort of stuff. Very, very and that's important. And that's the biggest thing that I didn't understand and that I got wrong. Because when I researched slap tears originally, the main thing that comes up about them is there's not really much that you can do to repair the labrum. But what you can do is make all of the muscles around the joint um, really strong. And, and that is good advice. But... What I didn't learn on the first side and what I did learn on the second side with the slap tear was you first have to do that step. Yeah. You have to get that right first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <coughs> and one of the side effects that I found, and I know Rad found this too, and anyone who trains really, really hard, uh, I know we've got a couple of CrossFitters in the audience, they will experience this too. When you're training really hard or when you suffer uh, a, a, a bad trauma to the shoulder, one of the first things that happens is that the whole thing locks down. Like you just get this, uh, and, and you know, there's a lot of guys on here saying that they practice jujitsu. You know, when you're training at a very high intensity all of the time, when you're rolling around on the mats, you're putting a high demand on your, on your shoulders. Uh, you, you find that things just stiffen up and lock down and you start to lose range a lot. And it's, a, it's, it's the body's natural response to saying, wow, I need to create more rigidity here. I need to create more strength. Unfortunately, it doesn't make you more injury resilient. You know, um, it, it, it often does the opposite because it, it, it means that the moment you get taken out of that strong environment, uh, it, you, you suffer an injury because you're just not strong there. Your body's not capable of going there anymore. And so what we've found over, the, over our journey is that um, one, of the, one of the sort of immediate hacks, one of the quickest ways to start releasing that tension, even beyond stretching, is to really get your trigger point therapy game up. Can we, before we go into that point, with that, that's, the, that's the next point, everyone, the fourth point. Can we just respond to a couple of these um, yep. on the live feed here? So, um, yeah, Craig Jenkins has said, commenting as his wife, Kate, has said, yep, if I'm getting golfers or tennis elbow happening, I know it's something to do with my scapular control. Yep, that's something that we've experienced as well. It's actually and a very, very common cause of, yeah. of golfers and tennis elbow is that the sh shoulder, the scapula is not working right. properly and that you end up rather than initiating and um, and diversifying the, the, the load, um, spreading the load out over the whole um, uh, upper Connected extremity, chain, yeah you're uh, having to put a lot more um, load through the elbow yep. and that and the gripping muscles. That's actually the second life-changing injury that I had in my calisthenics journey. After I sorted out my wrists, I got golfer's elbow on both sides and I got tennis elbow on both sides, 
which led us to creating the golfers, the forearm and elbow rehab program. But that's another story <laughs> for another week. But you so can get that program on a discount. You can, this week. you'll be able to get that today <laughs> as well. So I think ba uh, Basilisk is, uh, there, there's some Asian writing there that I certainly can't read. And then Mr. Basilisk is saying, hi guys, I love your work. And I watched that tutorial the other day. I tried it and I found my pecs and delts were, were too tight to get into that face down position without, uh, with the elbows elevated. This is a really great example of how overcoming weak links in your body happens. Guess what the best thing for you to do before that routine is then? I'll give you a second to think about it. Release your pecs and get to a point where you can get into that position. This is, it's so funny. When you, when you understand these issues with the shoulders like your honey and I do, the writing's just on the wall and the answers are so simple. People say, what do I do? I can't get my arm into that position. So work on the muscles that allow you to get your arm in position and then work on those mm. exercises, you know? And it's really funny because again, we get this stuff from really good physios and when they told us, you almost feel stupid for not figuring it out yourself. <laughs> and then you go through this process. And, and if, you, if you go through processes like this, you'll find you're actually only working on one aspect for probably two to four weeks before you see a significant improvement, mm -hmm. right? Like people f say, say, oh man, I've been working on this for years. I've never been overcome it, able to overcome it. Unfortunately, you've been working on the wrong things. Because yeah. when you work on the right things, you actually adjust what you're doing probably at about the three to four week mark. And you go, okay, we've seen some change here. Now let's do some other things. Yeah. And when you go through that process, it's really amazing what happens. And then uh, Diane's saying as an oldie who really wants to develop some kind of mastery with Olympic lifting, constantly working on internal and external rotation has given me some hope that I can achieve this. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Diane. You, you skipped Oscar. Oh, Oscar, do, do he's you think back and glute muscles imbalances could make a bad impact on training? Look, here's the thing, Oscar, and I we're a firm believer of this. You should be training the whole body as a system. You yep. know, um, don't compartmentalize things. It's very hard to do so, especially if you've come from a bodybuilding background like myself, where everything's broken down into muscle groups that you train individually. But yes, absolutely. If you've got something that's not working somewhere else, then it can certainly put um, stress on other areas of the body, which is what we've been saying, especially if you're doing Olympic lifting. You know, if you're doing Olympic lifting and you're throwing, you're doing snatches and things like that or overhead squats, uh, uh, you're going to find that if, if there's something um, not working from the bottom, it'll travel up. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll affect all of the joints above. So... Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just, and I'm just going to jump ahead here real quick. So Mr. Basilisk is saying, elevate the chest question mark and then R, release pecs. We're going to talk about this in just a sec when we talk about these trigger point things. No, it's not just release the pecs. It's release the whole shoulder girdle. It's, it's do trigger point release on all of them. And the number one muscle to release coming from our ADPT physio friends is actually, uh, to, to fix most shoulder problems is actually the lats. But the pecs as well. The pecs are very, very good. It's not to say don't release the pecs, but pecs, lats, and rotator cuff. We're going to go through Yeah, them. absolutely. And just to address this, one of the most common issues, if you've got a shoulder flexion issue, then most likely what has to happen is you have to have hyperextension in the lower back. Yep. And any joint that you hyperextend under load is at risk of unsettling stuff. And that's probably what could be causing your sciatica and things like that. Very, very common that people that get stiff in the thoracic spine and they have poor shoulder flexion to make up for that because they can't get their hand nicely above their head. So to make up for that, they extend in the back. 
and that puts unnecessary load through the lower back, which of course is where your sciatica can stem from. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. That could so, definitely be a problem. Mr. Ba Mr. Basilisk is saying, man, jiu-jitsu forced my whole upper anterior chain into flexion and dug up 10 years of old uh, pain. Jiu-jitsu does not have a very balanced vocabulary of movement. Yanni, in my experience with martial arts, is that all martial arts um, have quite a bad uh, vocabulary of movement. Um, most of them produce pretty imbalanced bodies from our experience um so not yeah. to say that they're not good but yeah, it's, no, they've got it's, their it's, place it's, god it's, i just i wish i knew the ums when i was doing yeah, martial arts i really exactly do right um all right so yeah onto our um onto our fourth point is uh is is trigger point release and uh you know that's where there's the video of me holding all the toys going oh my god what do i use um there's uh that's a really good video to get you started on it honestly and it's been a, a massive massive part of rehabilitating these injuries because what happens is and again from the the adpt physio guys from what they tell us when you develop when you have injuries that aren't dealt with and your body tightens up as a response from it um often it, it won't release it and i asked nalesh i said so what happens when you do a trigger point release on me and then I all of a sudden walk out and feel better. What's actually going on in the body? And almost all physios and, and people that really know what they're talking about, they say no one really knows because we can't, no one's willing to do a biopsy and, and so that we can see what's going on in the cell. But what is most likely that what's going on is it's basically just telling your brain, hey, you know what? This is okay. You can relax a little bit now and let it go, which is basically similar to what we talk about is the main physiological change from flexibility training. Yep. It's really the like the brain does all these wonderful things to control our body. And sometimes it doesn't really understand that it's not serving us that well for what we want to do. And so by doing these trigger point release techniques, you can give a signal that tells your brain, okay, let's release this and see how it goes. And all of a sudden you've got pain-free range of motion mm. yeah i think it's 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 just a way of s s sending a signal your body your body works off the perceived experiences mm. you know and if you're perceived to be compromised or you've got a little bit of discomfort uh by increasing that turning that volume right up that signal right up by pressing into it with a trigger point either someone's thumb or a massage ball or a massage gun a theragun or one of those theracanes that rad demonstrates you amplify that exponentially and then when you remove that the brain kind of goes oh well i've just dealt with something a hundred times worse than this maybe i don't need to tighten that area up anymore to protect it because it actually feels quite good in comparison to what I just experienced then, you know? Yep. And I think it has something to do with, yeah, just sort of hijacking that signal and, uh, and using it for your advantage, you know, because the body or everything you experience throughout your body is a, is a, um, is a symptom of your brain. You know, you don't have pain receptors in your, le in your, in your extremities. Your brain is just communicating back and forth with different cells and different parts of the nervous system. And it's perceiving, okay, there's something here that I need to be aware of. I'm going to restrict movement there, or I'm going to tighten that, or I'm going to cause a spasm in that group of muscles. Uh, and yeah, you, you're just, you're just hijacking that, that, that system, I think, by doing these trigger point and, and stuff like that. And there's three areas that we really like for the shoulders. The lat tricep junction through the arm here, also where the infraspinatis um, and the, some of the rotator cuff muscles join in. That one's gonna be good, like you'll feel it, you'll know about it if you hit it. 
Um, it'll take your breath away. The supraspinatus in top of the shoulder where you get a massage ball. It's easiest with a Theracane. If you don't have one and you've got a massage ball, you can lean forward, almost like you're going to tackle a corner of the wall, something solid, and, uh, and jam that ball in and give it a good massage. It's going to feel really good, that one, because you get through the upper traps, which often carry a fair bit of tension. Uh, and then the last one is the pec minor. And the pec minor is really important because don't underestimate how much tight pecs are going to pull the shoulders forward. Rounding the shoulder is going to create a dysfunctional joint. You're going to experience more joint glide. You're going to experience rubbing on passive structures that the uh, humerus head is not meant to rub on or bash against. And it'll make it very difficult to go into shoulder flexion. You know, you need to have that um, uh, open up. So. Yeah, those are the three areas that we really like to hit. And, uh, and the last step in uh, training shoulders for optimal shoulder health is the three best uh, shoulder stretches that you're probably not doing, which, um, which you know, we have a disclaimer with stretching uh, and, and compromised um, body, which is that most of the time when you have a pain, it is a form of tear. You know, a spasm is a little bit different, but if you've got like an injury, an injured to the area, um, it's usually a, a, a grade one, two or three muscle tear or tendon tear. And um, it, it, just like stretching the skin when you're trying to let a scab heal or a cut heal or a, a graze heal, it wouldn't help, you know, and, and stretching a muscle or a tendon is exactly the same. You're going to open up or make worse or exacerbate whatever the, the tissue tear is. So you need to understand that um, although stretching can feel therapeutic, it's not the answer to injury management. It, it's usually strength and blood flow is the answer to injury management. Um, but that said, if you uh, can rule out a, a muscle or tendon tear, then you, at, at this point, you are ready to start stretching and you want to stretch, and, and, but you want to stretch effectively, you know? Mm. And it's not really what you think, you know? Like, it's not stretching the deltoids and, mm. and things like that. The first stretch that I, the first part of, that I always start mobilizing first is the thoracic spine. If you can't go into extension in the thoracic spine, if you're locked up here, then you've got Buckley's chance of getting good shoulder flexion. You mm -hmm. have to be able to open that up. And you can do that test, slouch in the thoracic and try and get your, your shoulder above your head. i got great flexibility in the shoulders. I can't do it myself, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the very first step. And, and we use um, foam rollers and spinal mobbing. We use the peanut rollers uh, to get in a bit deeper. And the second step from that, and everyone can do these two, that's why I love them so much, is bodyweight hanging. Mm -hmm. Bodyweight hanging creates that decompression of the shoulders, decompression of the spine. You can start, and we usually recommend you start with your tippy toes still on the floor so you can manage the weight, because you do want to be able to hang for at least, you know, 10 to 15 seconds to start with and build right up to doing 60 second holds, you know. Mm -hmm. But just that dead hang, bodyweight, letting the shoulders really elevate, letting everything decompress is going to do wonders for your upper body shoulder health and, and posture and then the final one is the um, uh, the lat tricep uh, uh, it, um, insertion in, uh, yeah insertion stretch. stretch why don't you explain that yeah well the theory is that the lat and the tricep insertion in the shoulder joint cross over each other and so the idea of because they both if they're both both of those muscles are tight they're going to restrict shoulder flexion so the idea is that when that you, you you won't get the same result when you're only stretch one at a time you want to stretch both of them at the same time and the lateral insertion stretch does that and it's a loaded stretch as well which means that it creates strength through range and um yeah it's very effective we've had great results from people that do that
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and that wraps up the uh, shoulder series, Tribe. It's been a really, really fun one for us to do because we've got a lot of uh, history with shoulder injuries. A couple of late um, people joining in, uh, Balu and Alvin. Make sure you watch the, watch the five uh, videos, the, guys. The videos. There's a link just above in the comments. Uh, watch There's that series. You'll learn well. heaps about overcoming shoulder impingement. Shoulder impingement is due to a dysfunctional shoulder. It's due to the humerus hitting um, areas of the body that's not meant to. It can really inflame the supraspinatus head that comes through the um, shoulder uh, joint there and it attaches to the top of the humerus. And um, yeah, it's really, and if you really want to go deeper, then get the shoulder rehab program today. Is it's it a, a playlist? It's a pl it is. Yeah, there's a playlist. Yep. It's, in the, it's in the description of this video, man. If you look at the description, it's right there. I can yeah, see the link. Yeah, that's right. Now, guys, if you want to take it further, if you want to overcome any injury, if you take your training seriously, if you're a practitioner, a physiotherapist, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, whatever, get our shoulder rehab programs this week. We don't do them on sale very often. You can grab the whole lot in a bundle. Most physiotherapists do that. And uh, if you're just serious about your training, if you're a CrossFitter, if you're a powerlifter, if you uh, do any sort of sport, it's, they're great tools to have in your toolkit to use when you need them. Uh, we teach you how to incorporate them into your training so that it doesn't interfere. Rehab is not a naughty chair in the corner. It's not like, oh, stop everything, I'm rehabbing. Rehab is just about working around issues that you're experiencing in the body. And that's one of the biggest insights that we can give you guys. It should not interfere with your regular training. It should add to it. It should just... Um, uh, you know, um, enhance it a little bit and, and make it specific to the weaker links in your body. So get that sale. Emails are going to be going out soon. Get yourself into the UMS Movement Mastermind if you want to grab it right now. Uh, we'll try and link it in the description here on YouTube. I will. I'll do it right now. Yeah. And uh, we will see you all next week for phase six of the UMS at-home workouts dropping Monday. See you soon, Tribe. Have a good one, guys. Have a great weekend. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.